Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking finding your calling and unleashing your genius with Lily Clayton Hansen. excited to bring you this conversation today with journalist Lily Clayton Hansen. You know, she has found her her genius. She's tapped into her genius, her calling, and it really is to capture people's lives through storytelling and photography. 
Lily has this amazing book called World of Mouth Nashville Conversations, where she shows off all of her artistic charm. And she talks with some of Nashville's coolest artists, chefs, musicians, dreamers, like all the people that we would want to, you know, sit down and hang out with and be friends. She got to talk to for this book. We discovered this really awesome black and white book when we were on a trip to Nashville a couple years ago. We love the concept and we loved Lily's story as well and thought this was just a great story to bring to you. So I hope you enjoy our conversation with Lily as we talk all about, you know, her own journey, moving to Nashville, upcoming books, and the opportunity that she had to chat with all of these super cool people. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Thanks for reaching out. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I first actually discovered your book uh, uh, when I was on a press trip, uh, your book, Word of Mouth, Nashville Conversation, when I was press trip about a year ago. And I think it's a really interesting way to get to know Nashville through its people that actually inhabit the city. Uh, what was your thoughts in writing the book and how did you come up with this uh, kind of concept? Yeah, I mean, thanks for the compliments. I appreciate it. Um, you know, every artist is insecure, so it's nice to <laughs> get affirmation. No, um, we actually have it displayed at our house. I think it's that cool book, so. Oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Well, you know, when I started the project, Jeff, I had just moved to Nashville, and I didn't know anyone. You know, I had moved there with um, a boyfriend, and he knew about two people and they both worked in the drug and alcohol rehabilitation industry. So nothing to do with the entertainment industry. Um, I knew no one. And so, you know, having a background in journalism, um, I thought, what's the fastest way for me to get to know the people in Nashville and sort of network and make friends and really figure out what is so special about this city that I've chosen to live in and, you know, is quite frankly being written up left and right in the New York Times. And so one day I sat down at my coffee table and I wrote down a list of about 20 people and I wrote just a little short pitch and I just started reaching out. Um, You know, I didn't have any sort of connections to any of these folks, but I just said, Hey, I'm Lily. I'm, you know, I'm writing this book. I'm really interested in getting to know you. Would you please sit down and have coffee with me? And so very quickly I discovered two things. One, uh, you know, everyone wanted to talk about their career, which was their greatest passion. And two, uh, everyone's career had been built on word of mouth. So one person telling another about their special talents. So the project just kind of continued from there. Right. And that's that's what Nashville sort of seems. It's sort of a word of mouth kind of uh, town as well, too, including people helping each other as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's something that I've, you know, I've talked about and written about. Um, You know, I'm from Chicago, which is my, you know, favorite city in the whole world and my hometown. But there really is something about Nashville where the community here is extremely supportive and everyone, you know, is pretty trusting for the most part. I mean, that's what I realized right away. I mean, I was so used to banging on doors and having to prove myself and, you know, not hearing back from people for six months at a time. And so it was almost sort of a shock to my system in a good way when people said, yeah, sure, I'll sit down with you. No problem. This sounds interesting. Right, right. Uh, So so who's in the book, actually? Like what types of, of, of creative types are in the book? So for the first project, uh, you know, my background was in, you know, arts and entertainment and music journalism. So I definitely stayed within my comfort zone for the most part. Um, you know, lots of 
artists, um, excuse me, fashion designers, musicians, um, you know, chefs, but I also, you know, at the time felt like I was really expanding my own interests as a person. And so, you know, I included, uh, the founder of nonprofit newspaper, the contributor, um, you know, I wanted to include people that were instrumental in the decision-making of the community. And so, that was, you know, kind of the criteria I had. And also I just always look for someone who has an interesting story. I mean, if I heard about someone where I knew that they had overcome some serious obstacles to achieve their dreams, that was definitely a selling point to me. Right, right. Uh, one thing I think was interesting and why we have it displayed at our house, I think the photography in the book is really cool and it captures, uh, you know, the, 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 your subjects really well. Um, who are the photographers and how long did it take you to actually grab everyone's shots? Yeah. So, you know, I worked with four photographers on the first project. Um, my main guy, uh, who, you know, was my closest friend here in town at the time, Joshua Black Wilkins, he was really the one who I credit for helping me conceptualize the project. Uh, he and I were really close. And so we would have coffee once a week or every other week. And we would talk about the project and what kind of people did we want to capture and how we wanted to capture them. And so I really have to say he was instrumental in helping me develop, uh, sort of the aesthetic vision as well as like the literary style of how it was all put together. And then, you know, through word of mouth, I found the other three, uh, Andrea Behrens, Daniel Atkins and Brett Warren. Um, and, you know, the Danielle and Andrea were both portrait photographers. So this was in their wheelhouse. Brett was an interesting choice because he is a pretty well-known fashion photographer. So I remember when I approached him, he said, Oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. You know, like I used to these <laughs> high production shoots right. and you're just like throwing me in a room and being like, just get a photo. Right. right. But <laughs> I trusted them, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. That's, that's great. Um, uh, well, and, and I obviously he did a good job then too. Oh my gosh. He did. <laughs> he knocked it out of the park. And I think that's the thing, you know, um, it, it's for me, I always want my team to feel confident and comfortable, but sometimes it's kind of fun to put people in different scenarios and see how they react. And Brett's such a pro. I knew that he would excel. And, you know, as he's told me over and over again, I think the process taught him a lot. You know, it kind of pushed him. Right. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this, 
They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. 
I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Um, so you kind of talk about this a little bit in the book, but uh, the word entrepreneur is really being kind of thrown around these days, and we talk about it a lot on, on this program. Uh but uh, you really talk about more in the creative types, and you you mentioned creative entrepreneur. What's your different definition of a creative entrepreneur? Yeah, so you know when I was um, creating this project, I actually took a business class in the middle of it. It just sort of flew onto my radar, and again, I, I'm I'm big on self education. I wasn't much of a school person, but I'm always reading and trying to learn. So I went for it. And, you know, that was when the first time I really started thinking about how everyone I'd interviewed for the project really did have this interesting emerging art and business. Um, that was something that I was always personally scared of. I thought if I focused too much on making money, it would take away from this hyper creativity I'd always had. Um, so I would say a creative entrepreneur by my own definition is someone who has figured out how to monetize their special, unique skill set. I tend to interview people who have very like niche professions. Um, even right now that I'm working on my list for my Chicago book, you know, I have a guy on there named Jay Arbitman and his nickname is Mr. Zipper and he <laughs> supplies zippers and buttons and he's made a great living doing it. So, um, I think business is just as creative as art. And, you know, so I think the people that I am attracted to, they've managed to create this happy marriage between the two of them. Yeah. And I also see that a lot too. Like even, you know, I, I interview a lot of musicians and bands and stuff like that. And it seems like they get, uh, are getting so much smarter these days about, you know, you know, having your own brand and what you want to do. And even if you have a publicist or a manager or whatever, like, like you're, you're really the creative force behind everything. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I grew up with two parents who are both wildly talented artists and, you know, but I mean, we struggled financially growing up and I set my mind in my mid twenties that I didn't want to. And, you know, I mean, uh, I'm a big believer that if you're not going to do certain parts of your business, you have to at least understand them. Right. So that for me, you know, the last three years, I've read a lot of business books. I've taken business classes. I've asked a million questions. It was really important that even if I wasn't the one that was like doing the spreadsheets and crunching the numbers that I understood what was happening. Yeah. I mean, it's really taking your passions and, and, and the things that you're actually really great at and turning that into actual, an actual business that actually makes money. Definitely. Oh, yeah, because otherwise, and I've thought about this a lot recently, a lot of artists will say money doesn't matter, but of course it does. Because <laughs> if you don't make money at a certain point, just like if you don't get uh, positive feedback, you're going to give up. I mean, yeah. it's so important. I do think outside reinforcement as well as actually bringing in some money, even if it's 10 bucks a month, um, that's like crucial to keep on going. Yeah. Um, well, has has the book actually been a like a, a career changer for you? Yes. Um, you know, it's funny because when I was talking about this with someone the other day, because like I said, I'm in the middle of uh, locking down um, my third book, which will be in Chicago, which is my hometown. And they said, 
you know, well, oh man, it must feel so great to go back there and kind of show them how much you've done. And I said, well, it's, it's not like I'm proving anything because Chicago is very supportive, um, of my craft at a young age. I mean, I actually had a lot of success in my early twenties there, but I said, it's more like sharing and, you know, but I know had I not come to Nashville and, you know, worked my butt off here and, you know, done everything I've done, I wouldn't have this opportunity in Chicago. I wouldn't have the opportunity to partner with a really amazing, uh, you know, well-established press. I wouldn't be getting the kind of interviews I am. So, yeah, I mean, everything I went through with the first book, I mean, that sort of laid the foundation. And I think it gave me the confidence to go after other projects because once you have something like a book that becomes your calling card. It's your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also think to, to sometimes getting out of your own comfort zone of living in the same city that you've always lived in, going to another city, that sort of, and you do these kind of things that really gives you confidence as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that was why even when my Nashville book came out, I started taking little trips to Atlanta or, Mm -hmm. you know, I I started interviewing people again in Chicago or, you know, I even did a couple of features that were in cities all over the Mm -hmm. States because I wanted to break outside of Nashville. I did not want to be known as just the Nashville writer. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, you know, I, I don't like staying comfortable. I think being stagnant, that's when really sort of my creative juices kind of run dry. So I'm always pushing myself, um, even if sometimes it's terrifying. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I, I love the quote in the introduction that you, you wrote, uh, life is subjective and we must uh, tune out the naysayers, especially when the loudest voice is, is our own. Uh, what were you thinking at the time when you wrote that and how is that, how is actually publishing the book uh, change your perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, everyone experiences fear. I mean, I'm going through that right now. I was, you know, I'm working with a very well-known photographer in Chicago named Frank Ishman on my third book. And, you know, he's, he's about a decade older than me and has a million times more experience. And I said, you know, I said, I'm scared. I said, you know, it's, it's a little intimidating for me to, do a project in my hometown, just like it was really intimidating to put out my first book because, you know, I really, I was really the only one who had read it besides my editors and you just don't know if it's good. But as my best friend, uh, Laura Lee Goldberg, who's a pretty well-known chef in Nashville, put it yesterday. I mean, she said it perfectly. I mean, you just, everyone experiences that fear you just have to kind of tune it out. And I think that's true. So I would say I still experience it. You know, I still had that little moment moment of panic this morning when I like turned to my proposal, but it's like, I'm able to quiet it a little easier or just sort of remind myself that stuff has worked out. And, you know, even if it hasn't, it just really wasn't the right opportunities. So I think it's gotten easier to just kind of ignore those very evil voices that who knows where they even come from. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, you know, there's so many stories in the book that I think are, are fascinating, and, and uh, I really encourage everyone to go to grab, grab a copy or check it out. Um, but I just want to talk about a few. Um, and one of them, I, I live in Los Angeles and more or less, you know, a taco capital. Um, sure. but, but one of my favorite tacos, my favorite taco, I should say, of all time is Moss Tacos. Um, and, and you talk to owner Teresa Mason, who has a great story from being a bartender and now, uh, to actually having a almost taco and soup empire. Uh, tell me a little bit about her story and why was that interesting to you? 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I have worked in the service industry, uh, you know, pretty much my entire writing career. Uh, so I, I've spent 12 years serving and bartending and, you know, so I always am really attracted to people that have worked in that industry because I think it's hard. And I think that it's one that a lot of people don't appreciate or understand. So that initially pulled me in, but I just thought it was so incredible that she had built this nationally renowned business around tacos. And I, you know, and she's just a really quirky, interesting woman. I mean, you know, she literally must have said 10 times during our interview as we sat at her kitchen table in her home, um, I don't know how to cook. And I would laugh and be like, me, me, like you have this really successful restaurant. She'd be like, well, I'm just really, I'm not a formal chef. And you know, but she built an atmosphere that I know people like myself and you and, you know, hundreds of thousands of other people that I'm sure have dined there feel very comfortable in and welcome. And so I think I'm really attracted to people that get that it's not just about the craft, but it's about the ambiance and the environment as well. Yeah. And I actually, uh, a few months ago when I was in Nashville, I actually took my dad to there and and he's actually Ecuadorian and stuff and kind of grew up with a lot of that and and he's like oh, okay we're going to a taco stand and okay oh they're three dollar tacos and oh, okay they're, he's like wait a second <laughs> what are these he's, I'm like yeah I told you it's not just I'm not just kidding you know that, that there's a big line there that's that's a, there's a reason why that is <laughs> that's funny absolutely <laughs> when it comes to financial advice you got to trust the source it's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? then it's time to become Mentally Stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, 
host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have, with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, one of the, the other people, too, that uh, I, I think uh, in Nashville, people don't think of, uh, they mainly think of country music, but the music scene has changed so much there. And uh, they usually don't think that rappers, you know, uh, actually live in Nashville. Uh, tell us a little bit about rapper Chancellor uh, Warhol. I love Chancellor. He's actually become a good friend of mine. And, um, you know, I found out about his music I want to say, I think a friend tipped me off to it. So again, word of mouth. Um, And, you know, I just thought he was so talented, but I think what really intrigued me about him is he's a real artist. I mean, you know, from the way that he dresses to, um, you know, the fact that he art directs, and I believe now he's directing all of his own music videos. Um, And I had also read about how he had, thrown, um, you know, one of his record release parties at, I believe it was the planetarium. Um, and so he was doing all this really interesting stuff and I just thought, wow, he seems like someone I would really just, you know, relate to, want to get to know. And then when we sat down and did our interview, it turned out that he was this very spiritual sort of, uh, deep old soul kind of dude. And so, um, I love that because I think that, you know, I grew up listening to hip hop, obviously. Obviously, which is sort of a mainstay of Chicago culture. And I've always been a huge fan, but the genre has gotten such a bad rap over the last, I would say decade. I wanted to show someone that, yeah, not only was rebelling against country music in Nashville, but also was very thoughtful and soulful. I mean, to be, you know, Frank. Yeah. Right. Uh, and one of the other stories too, that I love is, um, and I think the restaurant scene really, in Nashville really change uh, when Tandy, Tandy Wilson opened uh, city house uh, mm-hmm. and as, and then a lot of other chefs followed after that. Uh, what's so cool about uh, uh, Tandy and, and he's actually a, a Nashville born chef. He is. Yeah. Tandy's a Nashville native. And honestly, I, I, I it's, it's funny because I love, uh, you know, humorous people. I mean, and so he was actually one of my favorite interviews because I just remember I laughed the entire time because he doesn't take himself too seriously. And, you know, he is very much someone who I think just keeps his head down and keeps on working. Um, You know, he made it clear that, you know, he doesn't really look around at what his competitors are doing while he has a lot of friends in the industry that he supports, you know, and he, and this always stuck in my head, what he said, um, you know, the second that you start worrying about what your competition is up to, you're done. And so I really respected that even though he had this, you know, award-winning nationally recognized restaurant, um, he was just all about the work. And I think that is such a uh, testament to Southern culture. I mean, you know, I, I think that it's a really hardworking, uh, kind of craft-oriented society, and he seemed to be really, um, you know, sort of the embodiment of that in a way. Right, yeah. 
Um, and that's what, that's what I've always heard about him too. I've never met him, but uh, I, 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 friends of mine that know him saying he's just like one of the coolest guys. So that, that, that's really always good to hear that too. He's super rad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned before that you have a couple of books, uh, in, in the works. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. One is the follow up to Nashville. Another one, Chicago. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of crazy. I was talking about this with my intern the other day and she was like, you always say how you get stressed out easily. You keep adding more to your plate. I'm like, I know I'm nuts, but, um, I, so right now I'm finishing up my second Nashville book, which, um, my photographer, Ron Manville and I have actually decided to self publish initially. Um, you know, I had a publisher for the first one and this one we're sort of experimenting with. It's really for two reasons. One, we wanted more creative control. And two, we wanted to get the thing out as fast as possible. So that, um, will be out in July. And then hopefully knock on wood, if everything goes according to plan, I will be in Chicago by the late spring, early summer, starting on my third book, which will be a series of conversations with Chicagoans. So, um, I'm very excited about both of them. And that's been sort of the plan all along is to, expand my brand word of mouth conversations outside of Nashville and do this project in other cities. So this will be sort of the test run for that. What have, what have you noticed the difference in between uh, the cities? Um, you know, I think that Chicago, I, I, I would say I understand it very well because I grew up there. Um, but you know, people are a little bit more skeptical, which I can understand. And so I would say that you have to come a little more prepared to the table. Uh, you can't just say to someone, Hey, I think you're interesting. You know, do you want to sit down with me? I mean, you, I would say there's a little more of a formality, which is fine by me. I mean, that's how I was trained as a journalist anyway. So, um, but you know, Chicago, and I always tell people this, it's like a really down to earth version of New York city. So, um, totally. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, it might be fast paced. It might be cold. It might be frenetic, but I mean, it's a really fun party city. And I still remember like eight years ago, one of my really good girlfriends came from LA and I took her out to the bars and she said, Oh my gosh, everyone here is so fun and friendly. And it just is, it's a fun city to hang in. So, um, I would say actually it's very similar to Nashville in that way. Um, with all the cool little creative pockets, it's just bigger. Yeah. And it's, it's still, they still have a Midwest uh, kind of mentality in all the best, uh, you know, senses. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Um, so people listen to this podcast, they're probably a creative entrepreneur, and they might think of themselves as such. Um, what advice do you have for them chasing their their creative dreams? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot recently because, like I mentioned, I'm in the middle of taking a, uh, my second business class, and I've been doing a ton of studying on my own recently. Um, I would say to really make the time to reflect on what is working in your business and what isn't. I think you know, at times where I maybe struggled financially, um, which was a lot of the time, honestly, or I, you know, maybe felt a little bit stuck. It was because I was just sort of on autopilot and I was a little too afraid to take a step back and stop doing like the technical work and sort of assess 
okay, like, do, do I know how to, um, you know, charge properly for my services or do, do I need to get, you know, someone helping me with like contracts or stuff that was important that I just would tell myself it wasn't. Cause I would say, Oh, I'm an artist, you know, artists don't yeah. worry about that stuff. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, you know, I mean, really what changed the game for me was when I started interviewing people and then I started, you know, reading tons about people, you know, that were very, very famous who had really made in their artistic industries and they did focus on the business. I mean, I even heard that Mick Jagger is still like, you know, does the inventory, you know, sheet for their merchandise (laughs) after every show. And so I think actually by focusing on the business, even if it was just one little detail a day, um, that made me more creative because no one is creative. At least certainly I'll I'll speak for myself. I'm not when I'm like worried that my electricity is going to get Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so was it weird being on the other end of, of, of questions? No, not at all. <laughs> I got interviewed a lot when my first book came out, so I got used to it. Right. If anything, I think it makes me a better interviewer because it makes me more empathetic right, right. towards my subjects. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So where can everybody uh, find uh, uh, your book, uh, Nashville, or uh, I'm sorry, Word of, Math, Na- Word of Mouth, Nashville Conversations? I know it's a mouthful. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Okay. And my mom was like, you should really cut that title down. <laughs> no, no one, I, no I trips over it. No, I, I love it. Especially because, because the, the, you mention it in, in the time as you're talking and stuff like that. And it just makes sense. And if you know Nashville or have heard about Nashville, it kind of really makes sense. So I love the title. Totally. Well, tell all your friends by, by word of mouth to buy the book word of mouth. No, I'm kidding. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I also, um, I would encourage everyone to visit, uh, my blog, which is word of mouth conversations.com. There's a link, uh, to buy it on there as well. And I have tons more interviews that are, um, not in the first book, on my website so people can get a feel for what I do. And then if you're in Nashville, um, they sell it at places such as Pinewood Social, Parnassus, and Acme. So all the fun little gift shop stores around town. Yeah, and the Visitor's Board actually also uh, sells it too, don't they? they Oh my gosh, yeah, they've been amazing. The city's been really uh, incredibly supportive. I'm super grateful to them. Cool. Uh, So I just have one last question about Nashville then. Please. Awesome. So after a night on the town in Nashville, people are going to see a show or something like that, and they want to go grab breakfast or and definitely need a caffeine fix. Where are they going in Nashville? So my personal favorite um, is Pinewood Social. I live. I'm biased. I live next door, so I'm I'm there like five times a week. They're probably like this girl needs to get another home. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's kind of the perfect place. Because, you know, you can get breakfast, coffee, cocktails. You can go bowling. Last time my cousin was in town, he kicked my ass in bowling there. (laughs) Jerk. Um, So that would be my number one choice. I would say I love a frothy monkey. And, you know, that was really the first place I ever visited in Nashville. But I still think that their um, restaurant on 12 South and now the one downtown on Fifth Avenue. They're just sort of like local institutions. So um, those would be my top two favorites. Like if you're in Nashville, definitely visit them. And then Crema for coffee. They have the best coffee and the owners are just really lovely people. Yeah, I haven't not got, gotten to uh, Pinewood Social yet. I really, I really need to get there next time. Oh, yeah. It's the best. You'll have a great time. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you coming on the show then. I loved it. Thank you so much, Jeff. And um, yeah, it was a real pleasure.
everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC.